Welcome back to Journey of a Fearless Female, the podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, welcome back to my channel. I'm Paola Rosser. And man, it's January 17th of 2023. I don't know about you, but I've been slow moving into this year. Normally, I start my years off making vision boards and writing lists and writing out my goals and really scripting how I want my year to go. But I think this year, I'm starting off really slow. I, I haven't even worked out. Can you believe that? I haven't even worked out for this year. I feel like I've been going through a lot of um, cathartic releases. In the middle of December, I got COVID. And during that time, I did a lot of reflection about myself and things that triggered me over the last six months of the end of 2023. Um, sometimes things happen to us in our lives in order for us to slow down and truly reflect. And honestly, I think for me, getting COVID in the middle of December during the holidays really had me at a pause. And if you know me or anything about me, I'm a type A personality and being at a pause is really hard for me because I always feel like I have to have something to do. I have to be doing something in order to be productive or in order not to feel like a failure or a loser. I have to be doing something. So for COVID to put me at a standstill, like really, if you haven't had COVID, it really does make you relax. You have to because you're so tired, you're exhausted, you can't even breathe um, correctly. Like I couldn't even make the bed without losing my breath. You have to take the break. You're, you can't just power through this flu type thing. You really have to allow your body to rest and heal itself. So this episode is going to talk about um, my revelations because sometimes I feel like when I share these things, um, it can resonate with my listener or whoever's watching and you're probably thinking, oh, that's probably what I'm going through or what um, I experienced. Um, I think this is the reason why I started my podcast a long time ago. Well, I know this is the reason why I started my podcast a long time ago is if we can talk about the things that we're going through um, in a safe space, in a safe environment that other people can finally relate. And we don't feel so alone when we're doing this healing transformation or this journey called life. Um, so while I was sick on the bed, so I have no guests, if you haven't figured it out, I have no guests, it's just me. And I'm going to talk about um, what I have been through in the last couple of weeks, and hopefully that some of my revelations, some of my aha moments can speak to your soul. And if it does, great, put it in the comments. I want to hear all about it. Or if you're listening to this on the podcast, please message me on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or wherever you, you consume social media. But I definitely want to hear like how this resonated with you, and maybe you're going through this uh, transformation too. Um, I've been on my healing journey for quite some time, trying to heal all of my past trauma, trying to understand myself better, trying to grow, trying to evolve. And so sometimes I feel like, wow, I feel like I've done enough, right? <laughs> if you've been on your healing journey, you're probably thinking, I feel like I've done enough. Like, I don't need any more lessons. I don't need any more dark nights of the soul. Like, I'm good. <laughs> I figured it out. But see, that's the cosmic joke. Just when we think we figured it out, we get more lessons and there's more layers of us that need healing. There's more things that we need to have insight in. And so 
During the time that I was on the couch, really lethargic and tired, I was mindlessly scrolling through TikTok. And this woman came up. Actually, she's been on my podcast before. She has an incredible story. Lucy Sarazo. Um, she's on TikTok. She has 189,000 followers. She did a video about a woman that she was learning from on YouTube and her name, Christina Lopez. So Lucy, I watched Lucy's TikTok video and she was talking about Christina Lopez's YouTube video and her six stages of the healing process um, of your healing journey. And so obviously I'm laying there on the couch and I'm like, I need to know like, what are these six stages? And so I watched her whole entire video as 3.1 million views on YouTube. I'm going to put her link to her video on the comments if you're watching here. If you're listening on the podcast, I'll put it in the comments. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll put it in the comments. So Christina's video, she says there's six stages to your healing journey, your healing process. And the first stage, she says it's your wake up stage where some external trigger happens and it wakes you up. Basically, if you think about being plugged into the matrix, now you're being unplugged from the matrix or you're just woken up. Your soul is like, wait a minute, there's a I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for a reason. What is it? And sometimes it's like this external trigger that happens. And for me, it was the death of my father. When my father died, it caused me to have this awakening of like, wait a minute, I need to figure out what I'm here for. I think death really does that to a lot of people. It's like this trigger of figuring out like, wait, we just die and that's it. And so it creates this existential crisis within you where you start asking those questions like, well, what is my purpose? What is my reason for being alive? Why am I here? And that happened to me. So that's like the first stage. So she even explained it in her video that some people have get cancer, some go through a divorce, some go through a giant betrayal, lose their job. And this ex this like external trigger happens in order for their soul to be awakened and to be thinking these questions or asking these questions like, what is my purpose? What is my true passion? What am I supposed to do here on this earth? So that's your awakening. You start to like question everything that you've learned up until then. The second is bliss. She says that in this stage, you, you know, learn a little bit about um, who you are and you're feeling blissful. And so for me, when I started to have those questions, books magically came into my, my, my sphere of knowledge, kind of like all of a sudden I'm awakened and all of these things, teachers, people, YouTubes, podcasts, all of this information was now within my presence because this is what happens. When you ask a question, the universe, source, the divine, the great I am will answer your question. So it's never in this audible, like the clouds part and all of a sudden you hear a voice. No, you're going to get little tidbits of information. I like to call them nuggets of wisdom from books, from podcasts, from teachers, from YouTube videos, um, from TikToks. And it'll start to get you down that rabbit hole of maybe doing some more research. And I that happened to me. And so the more that I researched, the more that I was in this place of bliss. Um, she says, your third step is you eventually go through this dark night of the soul. Now, I think I've been through at least four dark nights of the soul uh, throughout my healing process. I, I don't think it's linear. I don't believe that your healing journey is linear, like you're not in step one, then step two, then step three. Um, I think that 
you go through intervals where you can be on step one, your awakened soul. Um, I don't think you repeat that step multiple times. I think you just, you first awaken and you start asking these existential questions. And then you have these moments of bliss. You can have multiple dark nights of the soul going back to bliss and then the following steps. But for me, I had multiple dark nights of the soul when my father passed away, when I went through a really bad breakup Um, when I lost my job. And then, you know, recently with just stuff with business with my husband. And, um, you know, you go through these dark nights of the soul. And this last year of 2023, um, we had to put my husband's uh, mom in assisted living because she has dementia. And we had to take care of her before we put her in this assisted living facility. And she triggered a lot of my mother wound. My mother wound, who I thought was completely healed. And I was like, I'm past this. I'm beyond. (laughs) No, (laughs) I was not past it or beyond. I think that people mirror us and hurt us just to show us where we still need work. So if you are experiencing somebody in your life that's triggering you. If you're experiencing someone that is triggering you, they're a mirror to you to recognize why does this still feel icky or why am I still feeling triggered or why am I still feeling hurt by this um, if this is something that I've already healed or worked on. So if someone in your life is making you feel that way, you really need to sit with that emotion and explore it. And I didn't. (laughs) I didn't. Um, Actually, I think I was just in fight or flight mode when we were trying to figure out where to put my mother-in-law and dealing with all the logistics of moving, you know, a couple out of their home into an assisted living facility. And then knowing, I did a lot of research about the disease and just knowing what her path was just really brought a lot of pain. And, um, and I tried not to to touch the pain, I tried to bury it down and just pretend it didn't exist. And I think a lot of us do that. Like, um, when something's so catastrophic, like someone being diagnosed with a disease, or someone knowing that they got injured or in, has a disability or are in a domestic abusive relationship, you kind of just bury the pain, you kind of don't want to look at it, you kind of want to flee it, right? Or pretend it doesn't exist, or don't deal with it at that moment. And that's what happened to me. And I kind of just buried it. I tried to just keep going on with my life after we put her in that facility. It was a beautiful, beautiful facility, well taken care of. Um, I kind of just tried to go on with my life, but there was multiple people that kept showing up in my life to to show me the mirror that these are the things that I still need to work on. And it was very, very painful for me. I tried to shy away from the pain. I tried to shy away from dealing with this. And so when I was watching this Christina Lopez video, when she said, you go through this dark night of the soul and you're purging all of these emotions that you've trapped in your body from the trauma of childhood, from all the other wounds, motherhood wounds, maybe you have the father wound, whatever it is, and you feel these feelings, the next stage is the void. You're kind of just in this place of exhaustion like nothing you're trying to manifest is working. And and that's where I felt I was in in the last six months of 2023. Because even though I was waking up and sitting in my little meditation corner and writing in my gratitude journal and standing in front of my mirror and doing my affirmations and doing my walks in nature and trying to exercise and eat right, like nothing seemed to be working. 
and I couldn't understand it. I thought there was something broken inside of me. And again, it brings me back to my old emotional home of something is inherently wrong with me when really my soul was just in the void and it needed to rest, but I wasn't allowing it to rest. I was going forward. I was trying to do the work. I was trying to work on my business. I was trying to help my husband with his business. I was, I was, you know, managing this household and my other household and my stepson's hockey and all of the things, you know, you're just going, 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 really not allowing your soul to truly rest. And then I think I hit like a wall and I got sick with COVID. And it was like, my soul was like, you are going to rest whether you like it or not. And I've already had COVID. I had COVID in 2020. So it was like as if my spiritual family was telling me, this is your time to rest and really reflect because you've been in the void and you're just swimming upstream. Esther Hicks always says, you want to go with the flow. And I wasn't going with the flow. I was in my fight or flight mode. And I didn't even know because I my fight or flight for me is just my normal. I grew up in a chaotic environment. So being in fight or flight mode was normal for me. So I didn't even recognize, I couldn't be even self-aware that I was in that mode. And so I'm swimming upstream, swimming upstream, trying to get everything to be back to normal. But my soul knew that I needed to rest. And so I got COVID for the second time. And I was truly resting. And then I always believe that spirit source, the divine, the great I am, whatever you believe in, sends you these, these reflections, these messages as if, you know, you're learning, you need to learn this lesson. Um, I heard once this guy talking about his near death experience. And he said, life is not a courtroom, it's a classroom. And so I Everything that comes up for me, I think of it, okay, so what is this lesson? What is it that I'm supposed to learn at this moment? And so as I'm watching Christina Lopez's video and analyzing myself and trying to figure out, well, what stage am I in? Um, I realize that I, I am in the void. I am in the void because nothing is working. I'm swimming upstream. I'm exhausting myself and nothing is working. And there's a reason why, because my soul needed rest. My soul needed to process all of the pain that just got triggered by my mother-in-law. Um, not that she wanted to, she, you know, she didn't mean to do all those things to me or hurt me in those ways. She's just got a disease. And so, but that I needed to get that part of me, my mother wound triggered in order for me to recognize that I still needed a lot of healing in that department, that the mother wound in me is so deep that even though I've done years of therapy and read multiple books and have gone to many conferences, that there are still layers and sections and parts and intricate little areas of my soul that still needed healing, still needed recognition, still needed to process um, some of the pain, the trauma, the grief, the anxiety, the fear, because it was still welling up in me. If you've had your dark night of the soul, and I'm saying you're going to have multiple. <laughs> I feel like we're going to have multiple in this lifetime. And I'm on my like third or fourth one. So just know that after you've had this dark night of the soul where, you know, you're basically purging a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings, and it's usually like after a breakup or someone died or you got you went through a divorce or someone just the doctors just told you you had breast cancer, you have this dark night of the soul of just like, ah, oh, just all these emotions, all these things are happening all these boxes of like things that you compartmentalize are now busting open. 
you'll eventually go into the void, which is what she calls step four. You go into the void and she says, this is the time for your soul to rest. Like try not to do any manifesting during this time. Try not to try not to create new business things. (laughs) Like just allow your soul to rest. And so I wasn't allowing it. COVID forced me to. And then step five and six in Christina's list is number five. You become spiritually grounded, you become mature, you start to be more self-aware, you start to be more conscious of your actions, you come from an empathetic heart, you have compassion for others, you lead with love. It's a different sort of stage than you know, the dark night of the soul. And then the last stage is being able to live in your purpose and figure out your mission and just really live in that passion because now you're totally rooted and grounded. And I I haven't gotten to that stage. I feel like I am trying to live in my passion by doing what I'm doing here. But realizing all of this was like, okay, so I'm in the void. Now what, right? So what am I supposed to do now? Um, And I really love the way the universe works, because like I said, if you ask the question, what am I supposed to do now? What am I supposed to do at this moment? Um, I have clients that I work with, and even my clients are reflections back to me about what I should be doing, because they teach me just as much as I teach them. And I had a client reach out to me, and you know, um, she's like, I really need some time with you. And I allow my clients um, to call me, text me, to have some access to me sometimes. And we had a good hour conversation. And at the end of the conversation, I said, if you're feeling as if you don't know what to do next, I highly recommend to say this prayer that I learned from Gabrielle Bernstein. I love Gabrielle Bernstein. Say this prayer for 30 days and then just wait on spirit, the divine, your spiritual family, God's source, the great I am, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, the dude. I like that um, Pam Grout in her book calls it the dude. Wait for direction. Wait for guidance. And the prayer goes like this. Today, I surrender my goals and plans to the care of the universe. I offer up my agenda and accept spiritual guidance. I trust that there is a plan far greater than mine. I know that where there once was lack and limitation, there are spiritual solutions and creative ideas. I step back and let love lead the way, thy will be done. And I had completely forgotten about this prayer, but I brought it back up. It came back into mind when my client was at her own stuck point. And I'm like, wait, I need this prayer just as much as she does. So I saved it in my notes of my phone and was saying it. Um, for a couple of days when I got um, to meet, I have my own coach that I work with, and she helps me with my business. And it was the first time we were going to talk about like, what are my goals for January, right? And after 90 minute session with her, she revealed something to me that I was completely unaware of. And she was like, you subconsciously create stories around people so that if and when they let you down or disappoint you or hurt you, you're not hurt as much. You're not, you, you've been protected. And I'm like, you're protecting yourself. And so you do this, like you create these subconscious stories and you're not doing it on purpose. And you really 
hope that they don't let you down, but you're like, oh, well, if she doesn't show up, then I'm just going to do this. Or if she doesn't, you know, call me back, then it's okay. I'm going to do And so I create these stories so that like when they don't call me back or when they don't show up or when my client doesn't um, do this, then I don't feel so bad. I don't feel so disappointed and I don't feel so let down. And I was like, I really do do that. I do that a lot. And I started crying in that moment with my coach. I was like, because the one person that let me down, the one person that was supposed to have my back, the one person that was supposed to be safe was my mom. And she wasn't. And so that realization was so big for me. And then the following day, I had a beautiful healing session with a special shaman that I work with. And whew, man, we did an incredible session. And it was just, I mean, I, w- I wish I could tell you all the details of it, but because I can't remember all of it, but it was such an incredible session to be able to process. This healing shaman is amazing. And she really helped me pr- like process a lot of grief, process a lot of pain, process a lot of anxiety and fear and in a safe environment. Like we talked for hours and there was no like, hey, your time's up. You know how you go to therapy and they're like, oh, that's the hour. And you were just about to tell them you're like deepest, darkest secret. And you're like, wait a minute, this is the time that I really need you. And they're sorry, hours up. Next person's coming in the door. No, this healing shaman, she's just sit there and present and She gives you the time and the space to really just like explore every feeling that is coming up and there is no judgment. There is no, there is no defensiveness. Like sometimes when I try to talk to people, especially in my family, I get met with defensiveness. Like they don't allow me to feel the feelings because they feel like as if I'm attacking them and it's not from a place of attackment. It's just, I want to be able to process what I went through as a child. I want to be able to to feel validated, to feel heard. And I feel like most humans, all they want is to be heard and to be validated on their feelings and to be seen. I think that's why that movie um, Avatar was so emotional at the end when he's like, I see you, I see you. Because we definitely want to be seen as human beings. We want to be just seen in every piece of us, not just our outer version, but like our energy, our soul, our everything that we are that encompasses as humans, you know. After that healing session, which went incredible, I can't wait to do another one with her, um, I was telling my husband, like, I cannot believe like everything that we talked about and just how loving and the environment was and how easy it was for me to just be authentically me. Um, And I told him, like, I've just never processed so many emotions in one day. It was like a thousand therapy sessions in one. And um, my husband was like, you need to reread the book, The Untethered Soul. And I was like, what? I, <laughs> I've i already read that book. And he was like, no, you need to reread it now. Now that you've done the purging, now that you've done, you know, all of the emotional, like cathartic release, like it's time to reread the book. And I love this book, Michael Singer, The Untethered Soul. It's seriously, uh, 
my number one book that I recommend to all my clients. Anyone who's going to start their healing journey, I highly recommend that this would be one of your top five books to start reading. If you're not a reader, I highly recommend to listen to it on Audible. If not on Audible, I'm sure there's a free version of it here on YouTube. But I'm going to just, I'm, I I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to this book one more time. I'm going to give it another go, even though I loved it the first time. But you know, sometimes you're like, I've already read it. I have all these other books that are on cue that I want to read, but I'm going to listen to my husband. Um, You know, we were on a flight to Minnesota. I had five hours to kill. Let's reread it. And so um, I was listening to it in the plane and I took a whole bunch of notes and I'm only going to go through the first three chapters because I really want you to pick up this book, but I hope that my discussion of this kind of piques your interest and makes you want to pick up this book. This episode is sponsored by CoachSnap. Are you looking for an all-in-one platform to help you build your coaching business? Then you need CoachSnap. It allows you to schedule appointments, collect payments, train and support all of your clients' needs. Health, fitness, hockey, football, or even life coaches can use CoachSnap. It's the business platform that will help you be the best coach you can be. I love this book. It's... The book is called The Untethered Soul, The Journey Beyond Yourself. And it starts, the book starts with a quote that's from William Shakespeare that says, This above all to thine own self be true, and is it must follow as it night the day thou can't be false to any man. And he says, To maintain an honest relationship with others, we must be true to ourselves. But the thing is, a lot of us don't know who we are or who you are, who I am. We have this inability to not really see ourselves, right? We can't really define who we are because we can say, you know, I'm Paola Rosser, I'm the wife of Travis Rosser, or I am the stepmom of Connor and Kyle, or I am a you know, the CEO of this, you know, the fearless female movement, or I'm the host of this podcast, I can create all these labels. I'm Mexican, I'm 42, going to be 43. I can create all these labels, but that doesn't really answer the question. It doesn't really answer the question of who I truly am, because that's not who I am. All those labels aren't who I am. And it isn't who you are. So I love that the book says you not only have the ability to find yourself, but you have the ability to free yourself. And I didn't understand that, the ability to free myself. What does that mean? Um, But after my healing session with the shaman, I've never felt such freedom in my life. It was as if the pain in my heart and in my cells that I'd been carrying my whole entire life had been removed and washed away. And I... I've I've done a lot of trying to heal myself. Like I have had at least three or four baptisms. I've said the Lord's Prayer multiple times thinking that I missed it at the first time. I have done tuning forks. I've had um, done weightless tanks. I have done, you know, emotion code sessions, multiple, which I really love emotion code sessions. I've done multiple therapy sessions. I've done cold plunges, um, crypto or crypto, uh, chirotherapy. I've done where you put the little needles all over your face. (laughs) I can't even think of it right. Acupuncture. I've done a lot of therapy, trying to heal these parts of me that feel wounded. I mean, for me, carrying anxiety on a daily basis is my normal. I didn't even know that there was another existence. I always felt like 
being in the fight or flight mode of straight anxiety, straight stress, straight fear is just how everybody else feels until this moment of peace that I just really felt just recently, the last six days, just feeling this peace, this understanding of who I truly am, which is the reason why my husband was like, you really need to pick up this book now that you've done this healing session. Because in the book, he says, you know, the first chapter is called The Voice, and he talks about the voice inside your head and how it's always having an inner dialogue. And that no matter what, the voice is always like arguing with itself, right? It, it has a conversation with itself. It'll say, you know, oh, you go for it. You, you're you so good. You're so awesome. And then sometimes it says, no, you're not. You're too fat. You're too ugly. Don't do it. So the voice inside your head is constantly like being like the devil's advocate, right? In your head. And the book, it asks you, Michael Singer asks you, who is the voice? Is it you? Is it you? Are you that voice in your head? Or he tries even calls it your inner roommate. Are you the voice in your head? And he says, if you take just a moment to watch the voice in all the scenarios that it does in your head, you'll realize that you are not the voice, that you are the seer of the voice. And the more you observe what this voice is talking about, you'll realize that the voice is actually saying meaningless stuff. And you'll realize that the reason why the voice is always there talking about everything that's going on in your life, and it even sometimes narrates what's going on in the universe, like he says in the book, the reason why this voice narrates, like for example, if you think about it, when you... uh, And when I was reading this book, I was reading it on the airplane. And when I got off the airplane and I'm walking through the Minnesota airport, my voice is narrating, oh, there's Cinnabon and there's um, a guy with a black backpack and, oh, look at that girl's hair and let's not forget to stop by the restroom and, oh, you know, such a clean airport. Like my voice is narrating the environment in which I am in. And in the book, he says... The reason why this voice exists, it says, when the voice narrates, it helps you feel like you are in control. It makes you feel safe in the world around you. You recreate the world, meaning the reason why it's narrating and describing everything. You're recreating the world inside your mind because then you can control the world in your head, but you really can't control the real world. So this inner world that is in your environment is under your control. So while your outside world runs on its own universal laws, you're inside your own head trying to control the world, right? So really, we do it to try to feel secure. We do it to try to feel safe, to try to have some sort of control. And if you are like me, and you grew up in a really chaotic environment, um, and you grew up in toxic environments, or you had experienced trauma as a young child, or chaos was just the norm in your household, this voice got louder and louder and louder as you grew up right? And it tried to control the outside environment by narrating and and creating stories and all the stuff in your head. And so that's chapter one. So he says, freedom is learning how to deal with your own reaction to the problems and not letting the inside voice create a scenario or a storyline to try to 
protect yourself. And really, you should be asking the questions, what part of me is being disturbed by the scenario? What is, why am I reacting this way, right? Why am, why are these emotions coming up in my body? So for example, sometimes my husband gets on my nerves and, and like he pisses me off and I will get reactive and I'll say something and he'll say, okay, what, what about me is triggering you or what about this is hurting you? Like step back and really see it. And before reading this book again for the second time, I was like, don't be using my stuff on me. <laughs> but really, that's what I needed to hear because that's what you need to do is in those moments when you're feeling triggered or someone is hurting you or you're feeling like you're being hurt um, or you're feeling like you've been disturbed, some part of you, what part of you is feeling those feelings? And so he then goes into his second chapter chapter two, which is your inner roommate. And he talks about this inner roommate, this voice. He's like, if you can personify this voice that's in your head, that's constantly having this debate, you know, in its on its own about everything, it's constantly, you know, debating about everything, both good and the bad. He's like, if you can personify this roommate and sit it next to you on the couch and you're just watching TV, just watch the roommate and see what it says and does, right? And so like, a lot of people can't do this. You'd be surprised how many people can't meditate because they can't sit with themselves in silence. Why? Because the inner roommate is constantly going, right? Uh, did you leave the iron on? Or did you forget to mail that bill out? Or don't forget to call dad. Did you call dad? Make sure you call him tomorrow morning. Um, oh, did Beth call you back? Oh, no, we're not talking to Beth anymore. Remember, she said that thing about me and blah, blah, blah. I'm never talking to Beth anymore, right? So the inner roommate is constantly talking. So if you can personify this inner roommate and put it outside of your head and pretend it's your a real person, and you start to sit back and analyze it and read it, watch it and watch it do not read it, but watch it do its thing. And just think about it. He says in the book, imagine you taking this inner roommate, your new best friend to a party. How many of your friends would be like, what is wrong with your roommate? Right? Because your inner roommate's kind of erratic and crazy and irrational and has weird thoughts and conversations, right? It's constantly telling you danger, danger, or telling you that you should be protecting yourself or like giving you the most irrational thoughts and causing you to have irrational emotions. And yet, and yet in the book, he says, and yet we constantly go to this roommate in our voice for advice. We go for advice on financial and relationships and um, health advice. We're like, what should we do in a roommate? And this inner roommate has like the most erratic and irrational thoughts and advice. And yet we still go to it. And so in the book, he says, ah, oh, what does he say? I wrote down a couple of things. He's like, have you ever been quiet inside and felt the feelings of peace. And I'm telling you, before I did this emotional um, shaman healing thing that I did, I did not feel any peace. I, I had not felt peace in a long, long time. He says, 
Eventually, you will realize that the flow of events of the outside world and the flow of your inner emotions will come and go. Inside and outside objects compete for your attention and you're constantly having both inner and outer experiences, meaning inside and outside, you're going to have all these things happen to you in life. That's just how life is. Things are going to happen. You're going to have a flat tire. You're going to miss a bill. Someone's going to call you. You're going to miss the phone call. You're going to have to go to a birthday party. You're going to have to, you know, interact with your relatives. You're going to have to have, you know, uncomfortable conversations with your coworkers. Like these things are always going to be happening in our life, right? And our inner roommate is going to focus on all these things. And it's going to create all these scenarios and stories to try to protect you, to try to like get you to not feel embarrassed or not feel hurt or not feel um, jealous, or it's trying to protect you, but it's creating irrational storylines. And it's also creating irrational feelings and emotions in your body because you're listening and taking this inner roommate's advice, right? In the book, he says, what you need to do is sit in your seat of consciousness. Now, you're probably asking, well, where's my seat of consciousness? How do I sit in that seat? And he says it to sit back and watch. Remember in the first chapter, he's like, just watch the voice, watch the voice as it's doing its tyrannical thing, you know, and even personify it as a person. I could see it as my inner child, my little girl who has been wounded and hurt and betrayed and let down and disappointed by so many people that she loved and respected and honored. And so I see her running around in my head, you know, feeling these wounds and trying to control the situation and trying to keep me protected and safe. As I sit in the seat of my soul, I can see why she's doing this. I can see why she's triggered. I could see why she's running around hurt and trying to control the chaos. I can see her. And if you can do that for yourself and see either your inner little boy or your inner little girl or wherever, whatever age you got traumatized or whatever age you felt as if you needed to have control to keep you safe because it's different for everyone. Everyone has a different um, life and journey. And so when you can sit in that seat and just watch your voice try to protect you, you're sitting in the seat of your consciousness because you are aware of what's going on. And so he says, um, you are not your thoughts. They can be quiet or noisy. Those thoughts can be quiet or noisy. He says, you are simply aware of your thoughts and ask in those moments where your your mind is racing and going a million miles an hour. And I know this has happened to many of us. We're laying in bed and all of a sudden you can't go to sleep because your mind is racing and going through all the scenarios and thinking about everything you didn't do or could have done. And all of a sudden now you're thinking about your past and your ex-boyfriends and all the people that hurt you. And he says, when those that voice is going on and on and on, right? Just picture your inner wounded child running around, trying to figure out, trying to like solve all the world's problems to try to protect you, right? You can ask yourself, who am I? Who am I? Who is having these experiences and these emotions? Who am I? He also says in a part of the book to just say, hello, 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 to bring yourself back into the seat of consciousness, the seat of awareness. And you're no longer that little kid running around trying to figure it all out. And he says, just look without thought. Your consciousness is fully aware of the snapshot and effortlessly comprehends all that it sees. 
And he says, consciousness is pure awareness. And then, but what is awareness? People are asking. I am the one who sees. From in here, I look out and I'm aware of the events and the thoughts and the emotions that pass before me. He says, this is where you live. You live in the seat of consciousness. And he says, a true spiritual being lives there without effort or without intent. So this is something that I've been trying to practice for the last couple of days, ever since I had my healing session, is trying to sit in the seat of awareness, the seat of consciousness, without feeling, just allowing my little girl to try to, to, try to control, to try to fix, to try to protect, and then just soothing her and telling her, it's okay, you don't need to do that, we're fine, we're in a great space, we're loved, we're safe, we're protected, we're good have a seat. We're okay. Calm down. Then you can say, who am I? Who am I? And then you can really feel who you are and not let that voice continue, continue to just go in this chaotic manner, right? In chapter, that was chapter three. He says, who are you? Sincerely ask yourself, who am I? Who sees when you see? Who hears when you hear? When you dream, who sees the dream? Who is it that you see in the mirror? Who is it that's having all these experiences? And he says, me, I am here experiencing all of these experiences. I am the one experiencing life. I also love that he talks about, so now we're going into chapter four. I said I was only to review three chapters, but this one's a really good chapter. So I'm giving you a bonus. Chapter four, bonus. Okay. He talks about the lucid self. Okay. And it's crazy because during the time that I was sick, I had a lucid dream. Um, if you've ever had a lucid dream, I have multiple lucid dreams. And a lucid dream is when you figure out you're consciously aware that you're dreaming. And so then you start doing things in your dream because you are consciously aware that you can do things in your dream, right? If you've ever had a dream where you're flying and then you realize, oh my gosh, I'm flying. So then you're like, I'm going to fly over there. So then you move your body and all of a sudden you're flying somewhere else. This has happened to me multiple times. I've had multiple con lucid dreams. And if you've ever wanted to lucid dream, um, I don't know the exact science on how to do it, but this is how it happens to me is when you wake up like at three or four in the morning and you can't go back to sleep and it's five, six, and then you start to slowly fall back asleep around 637. So for an hour, two hours before your eight o'clock alarm goes off, that's when I lucid dream because my body was fully awake at three and then I fully went back to sleep and I'm in this lucid state. And when you're in this lucid state and you realize that you can take control, he says, who in the book, he says, who figures out that you can take control? Who taught you that? Who taught you that you're in a lucid, you're in a lucid dream and that now you can consciously be aware and, and take control of the dream? No one teaches you that. It's intuitive. It's, it's in you. You already know that you can do this. It's an intuitive knowing that you have total control, that you can consciously change the reality of the dream. And he says, here's the thing. When you are in a lucid dream, you learn about consciousness and you learn how to direct your own like experience in the dream, right? But we can do the same thing in real life because we can focus our, our conscious awareness on what it is that we truly want in life and create our reality. 
But we don't because we've allowed that voice to create chaos and to go straight into the negative, right? Most of the time, our voice is really, really good. Our inner roommate is really, really good at painting the worst case scenario. And so we, we get stuck and we're in this worst case scenario most of the time, not being able to consciously become aware that we have the power to change our focus and to fly. We have the power to fly. But we, we don't because we're just stuck in allowing our negative inner roommate to take over and create chaos. And so, man, this book, it's so, so good. I wish I could go through every single one of my notes. I don't even know how many bullet points I wrote down for this book. And I read a couple of them. There's just so many. But I really think that you should pick up this book. It is incredible. And it is one of my favorites. I only reviewed the first four chapters. And I don't even think I did it justice. So I highly recommend picking up The Untethered Soul. And if you are looking to start your healing journey, if you've had your own wake up or um, dark night of the soul and you need guidance and you need um, just a safe space to be able to talk, please reach out to me here. You can send me a message here on YouTube, comment below, or you can send me a message on Instagram, a private message on Facebook, or if you're on TikTok, make sure you're following me at at paola.rosser. Again, thank you for listening to the podcast, Journey of a Fearless Female. Stay tuned for the next week's episode where I have a guest and I will continue to make these reviews of the books that really, really helped me along my journey. And I'm going to reread. I think this year is going to be about rereading all the books that I fell in love with um, throughout my journey. So, all right. See you next week. Thank you again for listening to Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. If you love this episode, make sure to share it with your friends. You can find me on the internet at fearlessfemale.com, on Facebook, The Fearless Female Movement, on Instagram, at Fearless Female Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And ladies, remember, we have the power to rise and face everything. Until next week, goodbye. Goodbye.